0: Well, if you haven't already, turn to Psalm 100, that well-known little psalm. As we answer this, what do you bring to church? Well, if you see the picture up here and if you see your bulletin, it's easier to see the picture in your bulletin. It's a little washed out of here. But if you come to church, start thinking about bringing some salt and a shovel. So if you see, I was so blessed that day to be able to get our four-wheel drive vehicle into the parking lot and we... Took a picture with a bunch of snow piled up. But then I realized after I took the pictures, I was like, I should have moved the car. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we were blessed with a couple feet of snow that year. And uh, it was wonderful. But we want to answer this question. Psalm 100 is an amazing psalm as it talks about this answer. What do we bring to church? And it's a wonderful psalm to sing to sing truth, to say, you know, what do we need to do? How do we think about God? What does God tell us? We can answer so many of these questions. And last week, we just looked at verses 1 and 2 that says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And we looked at that phrase that literally means to shout. And the word was used to describe when they would shout because a king was coming or approaching and it's interesting that as we start this psalm and what do we bring to church we bring evangelism or the gospel to shout this attitude of shouting that god is coming we need to tell people about the lord and shout that he is king It says serve the lord with gladness serve him attitude of service Come into his presence with singing, an attitude of joy, of song. When we are shouting about God and we're shouting and making him known, and when it helps us to serve him, and when we serve him, it helps us to sing about him. All of these things are wonderful. Uh, I mean, do you realize that bringing the right attitude to church says a lot? It does a lot. I don't know about you, but attitude is everything. Have you heard that? Right, I'll never forget when I was in junior high and, and uh, uh, living in Oklahoma, right next to Norman, Oklahoma. If you know where Norman, Oklahoma is, that's where the Oklahoma Sooners play football. Right, and and we don't like anything Texas. Sorry, Jerry, but <laughs> so if you were the Longhorns or you were Nebraska or Miami, we didn't like you. So, <laughs> but I was learning to play football and. And I was this small, little, nothing of a kid, but I was fast. I had to be to survive because I was nothing. I was little. (laughs) So, uh, and I was so fast. I was like a little jackrabbit. But let me tell you, I had attitude. What I didn't have in size, I made up in attitude. I always remembered my coach during practice like, man, I wish everybody had Kyle's attitude. And I would just smile. And then he would say, "Because even though he is worthless and small, <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> he does more than all of you. And I was like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> but it was all about attitude. I mean, I played defensive end. I mean, I'm telling I was the smallest kid on the field. The only thing going for me was I was fast and that the offensive lineman couldn't hit me because I would run around him. I was a jackrabbit, so I survived. Until I had to tackle a running back, that was like an offensive lineman, and then I got squished. But (laughs) speed didn't do anything for me there. I ran as hard as I could straight at the guy, and I kind of bounced. (laughs) Attitude is everything. It determines a lot. And that's what the psalmist is telling us here when it says, make a joyful noise. Bringing the right attitude really, when you come to church, really changes everything about church. It changes everything you see. It changes the way you sing. It changes the way you talk to people. It changes what you do for the Lord. It actually makes you more available to do things for the Lord. The only reason I played football more than some of the guys on the team was not because I had more talent. It was just because I had some attitude. And I brought that work-type attitude to the team. Right here, this is what God's explaining. But then we get to verse 3, and it says, Know that the Lord, He is God. Here's something else for us to realize when we come to church. What do we bring to church? And that is, got to bring the right submission, Whether you believe it or not, everyone here submits themselves to something. You say, Well, no, I don't. I don't like submission. I guarantee there's something in your life you submit to or you submit yourself to says, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us. When we come into church, when this is a song they would sing as they came into the temple to worship God, they would sing this song out loud. And part of it was, know it is the Lord that is God. And it is He that has made us. It is He that has fashioned the church. It is He that has built the body of Christ and we are His, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. pasture. Thank you, Leanna, for keeping me going here. <laughs> Bring the right attitude. I, I hate this thing. I don't ever push the right button. Bring the right submission. We need to, and some of us come to church submitted to football. We're like, I wonder what my football team's doing. I wonder what this is doing. I wonder how this is. Some of us, are submitting, we have a submission to sleep. We're like, I hope pastor doesn't go too long because I will fall asleep. (laughs) And that's because you've probably been submitting to work all week long, right? The taskmasters, some of you, you know, if you work at Perry, I know what that's like. I see Jared pass out when he comes home. (laughs) So you're submitting to something. Know that the Lord, it is he that is God. The right submission. If you want to fill in all your notes, if you're taking notes, or if you want to write right next to Psalm 100, submit to the right, we have to bring the right submission, and that is the person, the purpose, and the promise. Three Ps, easy to remember. We need to submit to the person of God, to the purpose of God, and to the promise of God. Let's put it a different way. If we are bringing the right submission, and we, bring, we brought the right attitude to church, we are shouting that the King is coming, it's all about Christ, it's all about what God is doing, and we're singing and we're serving God, that's what we've brought to church, then we can bring the right submission, which means that we're acknowledging the right person. If we acknowledge and we submit to the right person, then we understand the purposes of God and the purposes in our life. And we understand the purposes in life that God has given us, because we've submitted our life to God then we can submit to and enjoy all of God's promises. That's right, we can enjoy his promises. It's hard to enjoy God's promises when we're not understanding what God's purpose is and when because we don't understand what God's purpose is it's because we really aren't submitting to the person of God. We struggle So from top to bottom or bottom to top, all of these things are integral and that's what Psalm 100 verse 3 is all about. Submitting to the person of God. Know that God is God. The word know, by the way, in Hebrew is literally to make a distinction. To make a distinction. We are to make a distinction that God is our God. The question is, is... Do we make that distinction in our everyday life? That's what Galatians 4 was all about. When, when Paul was writing to the Galatian church, there was this great debate about whether we come to the Lord through the law or we come through the, to the Lord through grace. And Paul was arguing and saying, look, none of us are right. So no matter how good we are, we'll never be right. We can't be right by the law. We can only be right through Christ who is Lord. And if we are right through Christ, and if we've submitted our life to Christ, and He has saved us, then we are adopted into His family. You look at verse 8 of Galatians 4 that we read just a few minutes ago. It says, Formerly, when you did not know God. Same word, by the way, as in Psalm 100. They transposed uh, this word from the Hebrew word, into the Greek to make this distinction. You did not distinct or you were not distinctly known by God or you did not distinctly know God. So you were enslaved to the gods of the world. You were enslaved to other things. If you have made this distinction and you know God and you're submitting your life to God, then you need Don't enslave yourself to other gods. Friend, do you have this distinction nailed down in your life? This morning, who is God in your life? You know, you know who is distinctly God in your life because that will be what you spend the most time about. Your time, your attention, your money, your things. Now, time with stuff is not wrong. Money is not wrong. Attention to things are not wrong. But do they demand your attention? Do, you, do they make you distinct? Do you bring that distinction to church? Or do you bring the distinction that you know God is God to church? By the way, if you ever get this idea that you bring, I am coming to church and I am bringing this active submission that I know that God is God. If you nail that down in your soul, that He is God and that He is superior to everything in the world, every activity, you'll have no problem serving Him. You'll have no problem enjoying Him. In fact, you will have a blast loving Him because He's God and you'll realize how much He has poured out real love to you because you'll realize who He is. It's amazing. In in 1 John 4, and I know in, in your notes I put 1 John 5, it's a great section talking about knowing God and being known by God But the idea in John 4 is is that perfect love casts out fear. Who's perfect love? God's love. God is love, he says. How do we know what love is? It's because God has given us his love. When we nail down that God is the person that we're supposed to submit to in our life, when we bring that to church, God's real love reigns supreme in our life. And it makes going to church easy. It makes even not liking things at church okay. You know why we go to church sometimes and don't like stuff? Because we're all sinners. hate to break it to you. No one's perfect. Church is made up of imperfect people. (gasps) But God loves you. If you have given your life to Christ, you've submitted to Him. He died on the cross to pour out His love for you, to be the go-between, to make peace between you and God, to adopt you into His family. Think about that. I want to submit to that. When we submit to the person of God, we're able to submit to the purposes of God. Have you ever found it hard to serve God? You know that God wants you to do something, but you're like, no way. I know if I serve God, He'll send me to South America. I know everybody says Africa. But we love Togo and Uganda. So I didn't want to use Africa. So I'm going to pick on El Salvador. But (laughs) just because Raul is from there. But, (laughs) But yeah, I just know if I serve God, I submit to God's purpose, he's going to send me somewhere I don't like. That is totally bogus. I guarantee if you're submitting to God, His purposes will be the things you enjoy the most. But you have to submit to God first. By the way, it says in the text here, it says, it is He who made us, fashioned us. Made, by the way, in the Hebrew says, to take some material, and fashioned something new out of it. God took your life, and when he saved you, he fashioned something entirely different. He took that wreck of clay that was good for nothing, and he refashioned it into something that was so precious to him that he poured his very precious spirit into it. You think about that? We submit to the person of God so we can submit to the purpose of God because He took us and He made something completely new out of something that was completely worthless. Just before Jesus died on the cross, He told His disciples in John 17 when He was praying for them because He knew that the world would hate them as they hated Jesus. Because they weren't submitting. They didn't know who... They didn't really trust Jesus. They didn't submit to God. They didn't really understand what was going on. All they could see was a man, but that's not who Jesus was. He wasn't just a man. He was God. And he said this. He said in verse 3 of John 17, "No," same word, "no," to make a distinction. Know that Yahweh, the great I Am, the self-existent One, the Holy One, the True One, He is God. And He made us, we are His. Because He fashioned us, we belong to Him. Not only that we belong to Him, but He's adopted us. Not only that He adopted us, but He invited into His house and He put His righteousness on us so we can function with Him. Do you understand that? A lot of times you think about businesses, right? Right? How many businesses do you know that invite you to be an employee so you can own the company? Not many of those, right? You know, some of you that work for, there's some of you here that work for companies that are just like that, right? They adopt you into their family, their business, this is God. He doesn't just say, yeah, come to work for me, and then, you know. He says, submit to me so you can fulfill my purposes, and I will make sure that you can do them. And I will give you all the rights and privileges that go with being in my family. That's what God does. 1 Corinthians 15.10 Paul is trying to get this idea across to the Corinthian church because they were so focused on the world and the culture around them. They were forgetting who God is. And he says in verse 10, telling them about Paul's relationship with God, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though I was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. He says, yeah, I I am who I am, not because of me and my works, but because of the graciousness in which God has empowered me. And you have that same grace if you're saved, if God has saved you from your sin. 2 Corinthians 5, furthermore, see this idea of submitting to God's purposes. And he says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. You've been remade. The old has passed away. It's gone. It's worthless. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation to reconcile people to God. He gave us a purpose. He gave us a real purpose, a purpose that lasts for eternity. What do we bring to church? We bring the right submission, submitting to God and submitting to His purpose. Do you realize without God, we have nothing? Why do you think the world is hurting so bad? John 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we come to church, it's all about God's purpose because without God, we can't do anything. Without God, church ceases to exist. In fact, if you, he, Paul explains it even further in a verse that many of you are familiar with in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Do you understand? We don't make ourselves good. God has done that for us. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. What good works? Which The works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what good works do we do? We don't do just any good works. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's beneficial, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 9 actually that which is good is God's work. We need to realize this morning that God saved us for a purpose. He didn't just redeem us out of hell. He didn't just redeem us so that we could feel good for a time to time. He didn't do it so we could look down on our with our long, you know, Pinocchio, long religious nose at our lost neighbors and say, look how good I am. And man, look at, it. we compare, we do that all the time as churchgoers. We say, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm not as bad as them. No, you are as bad as them, right? The only reason we have any good is because of what God has done. He is our good. He has a plan for your life and he's produced it through the cross of Christ. Which leads to submit to the promise of God in the end. Guys, we're able to enjoy God's promises. I guarantee if you're not submitting to God and you're not falling through and serving God through and submitting to his purposes. You're not using what God created and fashioned in you. You're not going to enjoy God's promises. You won't submit to them. You won't even enjoy them. You will read them in God's Word and say, wow, that's interesting. I don't ever see that in my life. Do you realize what it means when he says in verse 3, back in our text, Psalm 100, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. We are His. We are His people. But look what it says at the very end. We are the sheep of His pasture. Do you understand what that all entails? Do you understand the promise that's there? That's not just reality. That's also a promise. Do you know that's a promise? That if you belong to God, then He's gathered you into the sheep pen where He can protect you, where He can feed you, where He can clothe you, where He can clean you and remove the filthy... I don't know if you've seen sheep. The longer they go, the filthier they get. and longer the hair gets, right? You know what I mean? I'm always amazed at some people how long they let their sheep um, wool get. I was looking for wool. I was saying yarn doesn't work. (laughs) But they let it go and you see them, they drag it through the mud and the sheep once looked white and now it's like disgusting mud. But yet that's not our shepherd. Our shepherd cleans and feeds and forgives us when we dirty ourselves. When we eat the wrong food and get the tummy ache. Right? When we live off of a diet in the world that doesn't actually belong to God. He's trying to steer us away from the weeds and yet what do we do? We go and eat the weeds, right? <laughs> I'm always trying to get rid of the stupid weeds in my pasture. so. I'm trying something new. We'll see if it works. I'm persistent. And so what are those weeds? <laughs> we'll see which one outlasts. But, the, but God outlasts everybody. His promise. Psalm 23. David has this idea of God's promise nailed down. He is our sh- shepherd. The great shepherd, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they protect me. I don't know about you, but I want the rod of God protecting me. I don't want to try to protect myself. I'm limited. God is not limited. If we ever get, grasp that truth, that the Lord is my shepherd, it would forever transform us. We would realize that we never have to worry about being, our needs being met, that God will take care of us. Yes, we live in a very sinful, fallen world, and we are going to experience hardship, but God will be there all the way with us Helping us to persevere so that in the end, in James chapter 1, when perseverance has had its perfect work, we will be complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that a great promise? But that's a promise made by the great shepherd. By the way, that's why I hate being called the senior pastor. That was a term for the one who owned the sheep, as a shepherd. I don't own any of you, praise the Lord. <laughs> Although, I would, I, it would be nice to have all of you come and do everything at the, the Decker Farm. <laughs> but no, I don't own any of you. That's why I'm just a pastor, or a teaching pastor, or a counseling pastor. I'm not the chief pastor. That's God's distinction, by the way. The Lord is my shepherd; we never have to fear anything that arises in our life. We are His promised possession, sons and daughters. We have His guarantee. We know that He is always in control. If you are saved, you belong to the chief shepherd. He will take care of your needs. He will bind your wounds. He will help. He is your ever present help in the time of need. Psalm 46. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee, O God. Psalm 56 3. When the waves are crashing down on me, I look to my rock and my Savior. The psalmist cried out. You and I need to get to the place where we have knocked out all the props that support us and totally commit ourselves to a life of faith, trusting the Lord to take care of us and watch over our lives. If you are his sheep, he will take care of it, of you. And if he can't take care of you, what kind of God is he? But think about it. He didn't just take care of you. He wiped away your stain of sin by dying on the cross. Eternally changing your purpose, your promises in life, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but, I love that, it changes everything. That one conjunction right there. Without that thing, we're sorry and lost. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We earn death, but God intervened to save us. Isn't that great? That's a shepherd. Man, he jumped over that sheepfold and says, that one's mine. Kicked that wolf. Said, get away. Take it in. Carried it on his shoulders. Brought it back into the sheepfold. Tended the wounds and said, now you belong to me. That's our shepherd. The world is filled with wolves trying to destroy you. Who are you going to submit to? Church is all about submitting to God. By the way, when we submit to God, God does not hold back any good thing. He's the only one that you can submit to in life, and He provides everything you need. say, well, what about what I want? (laughs) Well, the more that we submit to God, we enjoy the purposes of God, the more we truly enjoy the promises of God, and He is all we ever end up wanting. Because it is just so enjoyable. If that doesn't sound like you this morning, work on that, bringing that submission that is described here to church. And you will worship God, I guarantee, in a very different way personal, joyful. We're going to be singing not because we like a song, but because we just can't help but sing. I remember a guy turning to me one day and he goes, Man, you're belting that song out. You must really like that. It must be a song you really know. And I said, No, I've never sung it before. And they're like, How can you sing so loud then? And I said, Well, did you notice how off key I was? <laughs> and he goes, Well, I didn't want to mention that. <laughs> but he goes, I said it was all because I just cared about God. It was easy to sing. Because I was just smitting to God. What do you bring to church? The right submission. What are you submitting to in your life? Because that will determine how you come to church. And most of the time, what you submit to will also determine the attitude that you bring to church. We won't want to make a joyful noise. We'll be more like those Canadian geese flying over. And then when they get to our house, you hear, boom, boom, because we live next to Lake Terrell, so... (laughs) Everybody's shooting over there. <laughs> We're so used to gunshots, it doesn't even faze us anymore. So we hear them. Yeah. The only person that hears them more is the DeBuilds, because they live right across from the Custer Gun Club. They need a membership so they can actually enjoy the sound. <laughs> but there's some serious questions that I've proposed to you this morning. And I guarantee that if you come with the right submission, church will never be the same. You will gather people and bring them to church, and church will never be the same. This community will never be the same. Our kids won't be the same. Our love won't be the same. It's not because of me, not because of leaders or music or ministries or things. It's because of the great God we have. He's the only thing that's great. Let's tell Him that. Let's pray. Oh, Lord may it be that we desire to make you great again. Lord, if we truly want to make America great, then the only way we can do that is by making you great. Lord, I, I pray that if anyone here is struggling and they realize that they've diminished, they're not submitting to you, or they're not really making you large in their life, they've really diminished you, that they would just confess that and just walk into your loving arms and realize that you're just right there waiting for them. That they would just honor you this morning. As we're praying, that they in their heart can just acknowledge that. Just turn to you and love you. And Lord, that I pray that through today and this week that they would not feel the condemnation that comes from the lies of the evil one. But they would feel the loving arms of you, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, the one who has made us, our Shepherd. And that we would make that relationship great again. Lord, and maybe that there's someone here and they say, I, I have no clue what it's like to have that kind of relationship. I, don't, I didn't know that I needed Jesus. I didn't know that He paid for my sin. I didn't know how to come to God. I didn't know any of that. Pray, Lord, that they would just, right now where they are, that they'd realize, they say, wow, I realize I need Christ. I need what He did on the cross because He's God. He was perfect and He traded His life for us. He laid down His life and now it's I need to lay down my life. And Lord, if there's someone here that realizes that, that they would just simply realize that they're a sinner, that they'd repent and say, repenting meaning, man, I'm, I'm a sinner and I, I need that gift. Lord, that you would open their heart, that Lord, right now you would save them. That they would acknowledge your name and lay down their life and submit to you. Lord, it's just really simple of acknowledging you and I pray, Lord, that there's someone here that needs to do that, that they would do that right now in their heart and that they would be saved and that they could tell us today and and we could rejoice and I loved hearing those that came to the Lord this last week. What an awesome way to come to church today to hear that testimony that someone got saved. Man, what the best gift to bring to church the praise of what you have done that we can't do, that you saved a sinner that is now a part of the family of God forever. Lord, I pray that would be true this morning if someone's listening or someone that's here. May we rejoice because you are our great shepherd. We love you, Lord. You are the God that needs to be praised, that deserves to be praised. Is above all things. Thank you for loving us in the way that you have. In Jesus' name, amen.